You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to River Rock Church. I'm going to do the best I can today. Blue sheet for prayer requests. You fill this out, put it in the uh, offering plate. That prayer will request will get to uh, church leadership and it will go to the appropriate places. Your request will be prayed for by many people. About uh, two years ago, Mike Jacobs came to me and said, Joe, could you pray for me? I've been struggling with anxiety and depression. I don't know where it's coming from. Everything in my life is good. But I've got this struggle. He asked me to pray for him. I did. Continued to. Shortly after that, we found out that Mike had a brain tumor. He had surgery. He went through treatment. And he had an incredible spirit the entire time. He expressed God's love through all of it. I have not looked forward to this day where I would share with my church family, with people who I love and people who love me, that we lost Mike. He was with loved ones, with friends. He went to sleep and he woke up in the name, in the presence of the Lord. I will no longer be praying for Mike's healing because he has received his healing. He has a perfect body and he is praising God right now in the same way that he praised God while he was here. He said, Joe, I haven't had struggles in my life. How can I say to somebody, you need to come to Christ? What do I have to show? What struggle have I overcome? Now I have this. I had a two-inch tumor removed from my brain. Praise God. And every step of the way, to the very end, he praised God. And I praise God for having known Mike and how he has changed me. How knowing him has shown me God's love. How knowing Mike has put me in the presence of the Lord in a way that I could have never known. I'm going to pray now. Please put your prayer requests on this blue sheet. You'll be prayed for. If you have anything specific, come to me, Pastor Chris, Dan, any of the elders. We will pray for you today. If you need to have hands laid on you to be prayed for, we will do that for you. We pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Mike, for his life. Lord, we thank you that he was able to praise you every step of the way. Lord, we praise you that he went peacefully into your arms. Lord, we pray for Judy and Terry in their time of grief. We pray that you would surround them with people who love them, with people who love you. Lord, we pray for those who knew Mike but did not know you, for those who have 
come to you because of his testimony, because of his life. Lord, we know that that work is not done. Lord, that there are more opportunities to share you because of Mike's life. Lord, I pray that you would make us uh, instruments of your love through that, Lord, that this upcoming memorial service, that this time of grief would be a time of knowledge and grace. Lord, we pray for, for Valerie, for Chrissy, Lord, as they are struggling with brain tumors themselves, Lord, that they would experience your love, that those around them would be drawn close to you. Lord, I pray especially for Valerie's boys as they see her struggle, as they see her pain. Lord, that they would see your love through her life. Lord, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Trusting when you don't see your miracle. This is miracle number two that Jesus did. First, he turned the water into wine. It usually take a long time to turn grape juice into wine, so Jesus was Lord over time. Here, he is going to heal someone that's far away, like 20 miles away, and he is not bound by distance. He is Lord over distance. When you don't see your miracle, this person, this authority, this uh, government leader who had great authority and demanded respect, came to Jesus pleading that Jesus would heal his son. And Jesus said, your, your son is healed. Uh, the guy expected that Jesus was going to travel the distance to come to his house, and he did not. Jesus instead said, your son is healed. And the guy didn't see it, but by faith, he headed home. Eventually, he headed home and found that it was true. And there are so many times when we pray and pray that God will do something, and we don't see it immediately. Uh, there's other times when we expect God or want God to do one thing and he chooses to do another because he is sovereign and his will is greater and sometimes he's working out a greater plan than we could even see and understand. So if you have your Bibles or one of these Gospel of John from the Gospel of John's from the back table here, uh, the Gospel of John from the back table would put you on um, page 15. There's even a map on there for the Gospel of John. But all right, number one, convincing faith. Convincing faith. At the end of the two days, Jesus went down to Galilee. So he, before this, was talking to the Samaritan woman. He chose to, instead of, like the rest of his Jewish friends, go around the Samaritans because they didn't get along very well, he just went right through and um, removed all the cultural boundaries of uh, Jews and Samaritans and of men and women and just went right on through. At the end of the days, of days, Jesus went on to Galilee then, which was a pretty well-populated place, a place that had a bunch of uh, people moving in from different areas, from different countries, and they were open to new ideas and new thought, and it would be a great place for Jesus to share the message and for Jesus to show that uh, he was the Messiah. So Jesus, he himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown, Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything that Jesus did there. So these people saw who Jesus is, and they pursued him. They wanted to know more about him. They wanted to understand what he was teaching. They wanted to follow after him to see if he was the Messiah. They were interested. They turned their ears towards him. They pondered what he had to say. They were seeing Jesus, and their faith was growing. And we need to have a convincing faith. So many times we see what the Lord has done in other people's lives or how people handle disappointment in life. Or we see how people trust in Scripture in their hard times and we grow 
in our relationship with them, and it's a convincing faith. We become convinced that faith is possible because of what we read in Scripture and because of the people that have gone before us or that are around us that say, this works, that say that Christ is real, that this works in my life, that this changed my life, a convincing faith. We need to have a convincing faith, and we need to look for people that help us grow in faith, and the Holy Spirit helps us to do that as we read Scripture. Our faith will grow as we spend time in God's Word regularly, as we're constantly feeding. We need to have a convincing faith. So, all right, so then if you continue to read on here, you will find that this government official had a crisis, a a crisis faith. It's good to be convinced of faith, to know that you can turn to that faith in a crisis because we all have a crisis. Anybody ever had a crisis here before? Maybe you read about it in a book. Uh, They tell you you're going to get laid off or you're not sure you're going to graduate or uh, you think you have a sickness or maybe you do have a sickness or you have symptoms. You haven't been to the doctor yet and you Googled it and you're confident the end is near. Maybe you don't know how you're going to pay your bills and the landlord says you need to come up with this money now or you're out. There's just a crisis everywhere. And this guy was having a crisis. John 4:46. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a government official in nearby Capernaum. So that's roughly 18 miles away from where Jesus is. So this guy traveled. Maybe he came by horse. Maybe he walked. So uh, by chariot, two hours. Walking, roughly six hours. So anyway, he pursued Jesus. He must have seen somebody's faith and been convinced that Jesus was the person to go to in his crisis. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. And when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. He was having a crisis and he was crying out to God. And there are many times when people have a life crisis and they will turn to God in that moment. Are you that friend? Are you that person that they'll turn to in their crisis? And you can say, hey, I will pray for you. Let's, let's pray about this and, and ask God to help in this. There are so many times when people go through a crisis, a crisis with their children, a crisis in their home, a crisis at their work, that you can be there and help them turn towards Jesus. And many times God will answer and work and help. Sometimes God won't fix that immediate situation, but if you look back, you'll see that there's a reason why these things happen. There's a reason why this is like a puzzle pieces, and you wonder, wonder why it went on, but you don't know exactly. There's a song by Casting Crowns. You probably have heard it because it gets played over and over again. Already there. Some of the words say, because you're already there, standing at the end of my life, waiting on the other side, you're already there. From where you're standing, Lord, you see a grand design that you imagined when you breathed me into life and all the chaos comes together in your hands like a masterpiece of your picture-perfect plan. One day I'll stand before you and look back on the life I've lived. I can't wait to enjoy the view and see how all the pieces fit. So, And the song continues on. But the pieces of life. Sometimes God uses the crisis in your life or someone else's life to bring you to faith. Sometimes God uses the crisis in your life to get you to commit to following Jesus. There are many of you that make deals with God and you pray. You pray, God, if you, if you get me out of this mess, I promise to serve you the rest of the days of my life. God, if you get me out of this mess and help me to get this job, then I promise to tithe the rest of my days. And uh, Deals like that. I actually made a deal like that a long time ago. So, God, if you bless me. And so, again... Jesus says you look for miraculous signs and wonders, but there are times when God confirms our faith, when He answers our prayer, and He helps us. And there's other times that He doesn't, and it's like 
it's a puzzle, and we have to just trust that God knows what he's doing, and then someday we'll be able to look back on our days. Maybe we'll be in heaven looking back and see how God was at work, how all the pieces fit. But this guy was having a crisis, a crisis faith. And sometimes a crisis is a great thing to come into someone's life. A crisis will bring people into uh, to see their need, that they need Christ. And a crisis will help them to cross over from death to life, to get saved, to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I bet if you shared, if we had people come up here and share how they got saved, many of your testimonies would be marked by, there was a crisis. And I turned to God and he answered me and I've been following him ever since. Or there was a crisis and I realized my need and I repented of my sin and I came to Christ. A crisis faith and a courageous faith. John four forty eight. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? And the official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. And Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. So this is a, a ruler, a, a government official, who people are going to see him coming to Jesus. So he's going to be seen. Uh, people will say, that's strange. Did you, see, did you see what happened there? Did you see the royal official, maybe part of Herod's family or whatever, come to Jesus and ask for this? Uh, probably on his knees pleading that Jesus would come and heal. And so a courage to be identified with Jesus, a courage to step out in faith, a courage to cry out to the Lord. And this, never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. When we do see miracles in our lives, it does increase our faith. But it doesn't necessarily bring a lot of people to God just because they saw something that looked like a miracle. It might, but it might not. Um, when we see things on TV, you know, we're always like, oh, that's trick photography or whatever. And then we always, especially non-believers, people that don't have any faith at all, are quick to uh, ascribe that to some coincidence or whatever. So uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and convicts us of our sin and we need to receive Christ. Uh, miraculous signs and wonders if the Lord chooses to do them in our time, or a bonus. And the official pleads, and then Jesus says, go back home. So, all right, is he going to have enough courage to trust? Is he going to have enough courage to say, okay, you said that, Jesus, I'm going to believe you, and I'm going to go back home without you. I thought that you would come, and then you would do your thing at my house. And, but he has enough courage to trust. So the man believed what Jesus said. And he started home. A courageous faith. And a confirmed faith. A confirmed faith. It's interesting that the guy had so much courage that... Um, well, here, I'll read the verse. John 4, 44, 51. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. And he asked them when the boy had begun to get better. And they replied, Yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. So that means that the guy didn't immediately go home. He hung out for a while. So basically, if he shows up the next day, uh, that means that he carried on his business. He went his way. He, he had enough confidence, enough courageous faith to say, well, Jesus said it. And maybe he was obligated because of his position that he had to do these other things and he couldn't just take time off work and go right back home. But nonetheless, there was a delay there. And then he has his faith confirmed. He asked when this boy had begun, begun to get better. Yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, and his fever suddenly disappeared. A confirmed faith. So his faith was confirmed by the fact that his prayer was answered, that his boy was better, that they were so excited they ran and told him. And that was, let me read the next verse here. 
verse 53, then the father realized that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he, is an entire, he and his entire household believed in Jesus. And this was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. A contagious faith. So he realized that Jesus had done this, and then he told his, probably told his family, and he told everybody around. And it was a contagious faith because he had experienced it, and now he was sharing what Christ had done, and it said he and his, he and his entire household believed in Jesus. So first he had a belief that Jesus could do the miracle. He came and said, I don't know what to do. My son is going to die. Please save him. I I have faith that you can do it. And then he had faith that what Jesus said, that you go, go home, it's taken care of. He had faith in that. And now he has this belief, this faith, this true belief in Christ and who Christ is, uh, a conversion faith. He and his entire household believed in Jesus' uh, contagious faith. And you and I need to have a contagious faith. It's easy to you know, catch people's germs when they're sick and everything like that, but it's also easy to catch people's faith when they're truly living for Christ. It's easy to catch people's faith when they have an honest faith, a real faith, uh, one that can be pointed to, one that uh, can be shared. Um, it's easy for us to hand out literature. We've got the New Believers, New Testaments, and these Gospel of John's that we can share with others to help people experience faith. The common theme in both of them is that there's pages in the front that tell how you can come into a right relationship with Christ, how you can be saved from your sins and experience eternal life and um, why Jesus went to the cross and what we're supposed to do about it. Uh, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll be saved. So uh, a contagious faith. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Do you pray for opportunities to share your faith? Have a contagious faith and a contented faith. So what if the son wasn't healed? But the man still came to Christ, still believed upon Jesus because the son's healing was a temporary thing, but the government officials' eternal life was more important than anything. The government officials uh, coming to Christ so that he could experience eternal life and life in Christ was more important than the son being healed, but then for the son to be healed and then also to believe in Christ uh, would be even better. But are we content? So this guy prayed, came to God, I came to the Lord and Jesus said, yes, I will answer your prayer. You can count on it. And so we pray and we ask God to answer our prayers. And we know that if we ask anything according to Jesus' will, he will hear us. And um, he doesn't always choose to say yes to the things that we want. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. And other times he says yes. But will we be content to know what God is doing? Or will we be content to take whatever the Lord gives us? Joe did a great job um, sharing uh, some of Mike's story. Um, Mike had a contented faith. So we had a Bible study at the Ministry Center, a men's Bible study, when he was feeling anxious before the diagnosis. We went through James. He really liked James. If you ever talked to him, he really liked the book of James. And also Gideon. Uh, we looked at the life of Gideon and the faith that Gideon had. He had a contented faith. In James, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, Consider it an opportunity for joy, for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing, it says in James 1, 2 through 4. So a contentment that comes through trusting what God is doing, through going through hard times and trusting that God is at work. And so he had a contented faith. And the Bible says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth or great gain in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Can we be content with what the Lord gives us? I mean, Job had a contentment that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Job uh, said, even if 
the Lord kills me. Even if he, he slays me, still I will trust him. And will we do that? Do we have a contented faith to say, whatever the Lord chooses to do with my life, I give to him as an offering, a contented faith. It's so strange to me that God can take the best people. To me, it seems in God's plan that you'd take out the people that aren't doing a very good job, say, you know, you're not really cutting it. I'm just going to take you. You can come be with me. You know, we take you off the team. Uh, we're going to keep our best players in because we want to win. But God sometimes doesn't choose to do that. In Acts 7.54, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into, the he- into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand contented faith. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting, and they rushed at him, and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul, and as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So here you got Stephen who's doing great things for God. He's preaching a great message. He's just like a superstar on the team, and God chooses to bring him home. He doesn't leave him there. He chooses to bring him home for a reason. There are a lot of reasons as you think of it. One of the the man named Saul would become Paul who would write much of the New Testament. But God was at work. And we can look back and see the puzzle pieces, how they fit together and why maybe God would allow that. So Stephen was like a superstar serving the Lord and God brings him home. It doesn't always make sense, but we need to be content with what God does in our life. And a champion faith. So Mike was in the sports uh, anytime when he was on the setup team, if he drove the church truck and trailer home, <laughs> the radio was always on K-Fan. Could always tell when Mike had taken the truck because it was on K-Fan. And he had a champion faith. And as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. A champion faith. It says in 2 Timothy 4, 6-7. through 7. And as a church, our goal is to help you to live a life well, live life well, a well life, to be worshiping, encouraging, learning, and loving. But I guess it also comes down to part of life is dying and to die well, to die with confident faith and assurance, to die knowing whom you have believed, to be ready to go into the hands of the Lord and uh, be confident that you have lived a life well. I don't think that many of us are prepared to die it is a much better thing to have some forewarning that something's going to happen, that you're going to die so that your family can prepare for it than it is to die suddenly. My father-in-law died at his home. He had just moved up to a lake house, was living the dream. He'd lived there for a couple weeks and uh, he just fell over and he he died suddenly. It was totally unexpected. Uh, At our last church, one of the paramedics on the scene uh, said his heart just kind of backed up. It's a great way to die. It's a really terrible way for the people who are left behind though. And so you and I need to be prepared whether God chooses to take us today or uh, chooses to give us some forewarning or chooses to let somebody that we care about go. We need to be prepared and know that our life is an offering to the Lord, that we give the Lord our life and he gives us salvation and Christ's righteousness and then we're his to use however he chooses to use us. John five eleven to 14. I got to see Mike on Monday. So he was laying there in bed and he was talking and so I had no idea that he was going to go so quickly. They said two weeks, but I was praying and I figured that he would rally and he would get better and that things would move forward. 
On the other hand, it's a really great thing that he didn't lose his mind, that he didn't have dementia, that he didn't say things he didn't mean, because I've seen many people go through this. But I told him, I read this to him, I gave him a New Testament that was highlighted, and I was reading this to him. This is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And I read that with him. And I also read Romans 8.35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And finally, I read John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And I told him that you're always helping people fix stuff up. And maybe, he, maybe the Lord needs you to uh, help prepare places for other people. And he laughed at that. And then he said, you have a good ministry. That's good. So I read from Revelation 2. Revelation 21.3. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things are gone forever. So I'll ask the guys to come forward because it's time for communion. So think about your life and think about who you care about and the things that you pray for. And are you willing to come to the Lord and say, whatever your will is. I mean, isn't that part of the Lord's prayer that we want God's will more than our own? Do we live lives that are contagious, full of faith? That Are we ready to share our faith with others? Are we making it impossible to go to hell from Belle Plain? Are we living well lives and helping people to be prepared to die well? Uh, Mike is an example of this church. He wanted to come many times, but he wasn't able to because of the way he was feeling that day. But he cared about us, even though they moved away, which was a miracle in itself that their house sold so quickly. Anyway, communion. We come to the Lord's table and we celebrate what the Lord has done. So I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this is a great time to come to the Lord and confess any known sin and to recommit your life to him. If, you're, uh, if you never, have never come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe you could do so today by saying, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. And then start to follow him. So there'll be some music playing as we pass out the communion elements. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've given us the breath of life today, that you put us in this time and in this place, and we pray that you would help us to figure out what it is that you, are, that you want us to do, what you want us to say to someone, how you want us to serve you, how you want us to live this day and this week and this year. Lord, we pray that our lives will be effective for you, and we thank you that you have made a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be forgiven and live for you. We take this and we eat. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. He says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. 
What a great day that will be when the Lord returns. We'll escape physical death. We'll go straight into the Lord's presence. That will be a great thing when the Lord returns. But will we wonder if we did all that we were called to do? Will there be people that are at our work or our school that we could have, or neighborhood that we could have shared Christ with, that we had opportunity that we didn't take? Are we ready to make a difference? Mike knew that God was going to use this for his glory. There was a day when he called me and he believed that he was, he felt that God had touched him and he was healed and he appealed to be healed for a period of time. And then uh, he quickly declined and then he went, he fell asleep in Jesus in a very short time. And I believe that God can use the memorial service, which will probably be full because he uh, was such a great friend to so many people, uh, to proclaim Christ. And there might be many people that receive Jesus Christ as their, as their Lord and Savior that turn to follow Jesus because of Mike's testimony. So we want to pray for that. And we want to pray that God will use us and praise him for what he's doing in our life. So as we pass the cup around, why don't you um, recommit your life to Christ and praise him for what he's doing in your life. Jesus, we thank you so much that we can be used and be part of your plan. We thank you so much that as we confess any known sin, as we choose to serve and follow you, as we ask you to use us, that you will. Lord, we pray that you would use us all for your glory and to accomplish great eternal purposes in our lives and that our lives will be marked by great faith, courageous faith, Lord, and that people would turn to you because they see Christ in us and in this church. We take this, we drink in Jesus' name. Amen. The worship team will come forward. I don't know why uh, our church is seeing so many people with brain cancer. Um, I'll share a little bit too. I put up on Facebook this week that Mike was my hero. And it was the way that he faced his adversity through this disease. I never saw him complain. He was always happy and sharing his faith. And, and God, in his grace and mercy, allowed him to pass peacefully. And uh, like my sister, when she passed, our family was there. The last thing she heard was us laughing with her, enjoying good time, and the next, that night, she passed. Um, Mike was at home, and a couple from our church was there and said they were all laughing in the other room when Mike passed. The last thing that Mike heard was people laughing in his home. And he always wanted to bring joy to others and to hear the joy of others in the home when he left. Um, What a blessing of God uh, for him to be able to hear that rather than those crying because he never wanted to bring people pain. He always wanted to bring them joy. And my soul longs for Jesus is a song that just cries out that this is really what we want. Um, This world has nothing for us. Jesus has everything for us. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.